Well, you know, I started in Ottawa, Canada when I was 14 or 15, and we just played, there was no original music. Uh, we only, you know, we played Beatles songs, Stones, Hendrix, uh, whatever was popular at the time, and uh, a lot of old rock and roll and a lot of blues, I guess, and stuff like that. Because we had so many sets a night, you know, playing in these clubs, we or literally start about 8.30 and finish about 2.30 in the morning, you know, we'd do like five, six sets. Um, so yeah, we, we would do some jamming and we would, uh, you know, encourage other musicians to show up and get up and play with us because, you know, we're just like, sick of it and stuff. We did a lot of jamming, but uh, yeah, which was cool, you know, there was a lot of jamming going on. You could pretty much show up late at, at any club anywhere in the area. And, uh, and get up and play. Nobody minded. Everybody kind of got into it, really. So that was kind of a cool thing, because uh, when I moved to England, in, in London in 1975, and uh, I was so dumb, you know, I'd go out to like the Marquee or the Red Lion in Fulham, and there, there really wasn't much of a live music scene, you know. Guys certainly didn't play five sets a night, you know. They, they played maybe one little set at the pub once a week, you know. But I would go out when I first got there to like the Marquee or some other, the Red Lion or some of these pubs and bring my guitar and go, hey man, I'm from Canada, I'm a hot shot guitar player, can I get up and jam? And it's like, no, we don't do that here, you know. They just didn't do it because they were all playing original music too, which was kind of cool, I, you know. That's what I wanted to do anyway, which is why I was in England in the first place, so. After about five years, I was 20 years old and uh, and I'd been playing in these bars, and I played with Ronnie Hawkins for a year in Toronto, and you know, that sort of did whatever it was going to do, as much as it was going to do. So I, I went to London, England, and, and I really wasn't going to have the Pat Travers band. I was going to form, make a band, I wasn't even sure. I, I hadn't, I was never the main singer at that point. I sang a song or two and sang harmony, but you know, I was always just a skinny guitar player in the band. And, um, so when I got to England and I started putting the band together, I, just, I kept looking for another guitar player who could sing, and I couldn't find anybody. So I just ended up being a three-piece band, and for uh, I couldn't think of a decent name for a band, so it just became Pat Travers Band. You know, actually the first album was just Pat Travers. I think the first couple of them. And, uh, so, you know, that's how that happened. I, I came, became the singer by default. So, the, you know, the Pat Travers band with Tommy Aldridge, Mars Cowling, and Pat Thrall, which was, you know, we, we were getting some place. We had the live album, and we had Crash and Burn, and, and it just all seemed to be like smoke in a jar, you know? Once it came out, there was no way to get it back in. And so, uh, I went back to being a three-piece, and that's when Sandy Gennaro joined the band in 1981. And uh, I don't know, just the, the 80s for me, you know, especially you went along. Well, Eddie Van Halen, as cool as he was, really had the worst effect on guitar players. Just at the beginning of 2012, uh, Cleopatra Records asked me to do a couple of songs for some tribute albums that they were doing. And then they asked me if I could do a, a song, an album worth of uh, songs from the 1920s. And uh, what was 
interesting about that was that I actually knew a little bit about that. I had been listening to a lot of Chicago blues, Howlin' Wolf and Muddy Waters and people like that, and reading their bios and their backstories. And there were, you know, a lot of these guys that I covered on, uh, you know, Sunhouse and Blind Willie Johnson. And, uh, you know, they were influences to these, you know, Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and all those guys. So I knew a little bit about them and. But then when they offered me the album, I really got into it and, you know, checking out all these people. Really, it made it so much easier to, to, to find the songs, to find the lyrics, to find some history about them, you know. There was only one song I couldn't get the lyrics to, and uh, that was by um, uh, Furry Lewis. And uh, there was one song that I wanted to do, and uh, I couldn't find the lyrics, and I just... You know, I didn't feel comfortable about making up some lyrics if I couldn't understand them. So I found another song by him called Jailhouse Blues. And uh, so what I did was I took the music from the first song I wanted to do and took the lyrics from Jailhouse Blues and threw them both together. And it came out to be a great song. It turned out really good. And uh, Bessie Smith did a song called Nobody Knows You When You're Down and Out. That's definitely one of my favorites. And she was awesome. She, uh, she even did like... Uh, they they would film uh, sort of like music videos, you know, and they would show them in theaters. I guess they were only as long as a song, three four minutes, and they were these big productions. So uh, you know, she was well ahead of everybody, you know, and uh, a lot of blind guys, blind Blake, blind Willie Johnson, blind Lemon Jefferson. Oh, I got four at least. I guess they were bumping into each other a lot back then, you know. Alright, cool. <laughs>